Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the first Wednesday in Advent, December 1st, 2021, is preached by seminarian Joe Larson. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good evening again. Welcome to those of you visiting us and tuning in via live stream. Glad to have you here this evening for our first Advent service. Our sermon text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 2. I would invite you to rise for the reading of the gospel this evening. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We're reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Lord, this is your word. Your word is truth. I ask that you sanctify us in your truth, convict us of our sins, and reveal us the comfort of your gospel. Amen. You may be seated. What was the last song that got stuck in your head? And was it even a good song? Or is it something that maybe the kids were singing or you heard on the radio once or twice and it's just, it's there and it's not coming out? I'm sorry if I made you think of it. Apologies. Hopefully it'll be out by the end of the sermon. Was it something stupid that your brain loves pulling out just to bug you? Or was it a good song, maybe? Now, with the choir concerts coming up at the Free Lutheran Bible College this weekend, I've had a good song, thankfully, stuck in my head. That song is The Glory of the Lord from Handel's Messiah. Its lyrics are really simple. It's just a repetition of Isaiah 40, verse 5, which says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You repeat that about 70 times and you've got the song. All sorts of moving parts and really catchy melodies that are tricky. I think they're stuck in my head because we've had to sing through them so many times. I bring up this talk about songs because I had that in my head as I went to look at this week's text. I couldn't get those words of Isaiah out of my mind. But I think that focus on God's glory revealed from the spoken word of the Lord that's a good thing to have in mind when we're looking at today's text. Now, as you saw from the front of your bulletin, uh, our series that we'll be doing through Advent will be looking at a specific theme, the theme of responding to the king. 
But even before we dive into that, we have to take a step back and remind ourselves of the centrality of the king himself before we look at responses to him. That Isaiah 40 that I mentioned goes on to say in verse 11 that the Lord will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now, we're going to look at the shepherd's response today, and we're going to learn a lot from them. But all that we're going to see, it flows from the work of the good shepherd, the Lord. If we forget that, none of these responses are going to ultimately matter. So, that aside, today's text, specifically the response of the shepherds, it gives us a lot to think about. It gives us a lot of challenging things to consider, too. I want to look at it through some R words, words that begin with a letter R, because alliteration is fun. Alliteration is great. But also because the Lord calls us, like the shepherds, to receive his word, to run to his promises, and to return, rejoicing and relaying his truth. By the time we get down all the way to verse 15 in our text, we find that first R word, that the shepherds receive the word about Christ. But when I was preparing the sermon, I actually added in the previous verses because context is helpful. It'd be really weird to start in the middle and be like, what's going on with these shepherds? What happened? You kind of show up in the middle of the scene is confusing. But also because they have an initial response that I think is important to see too. It's not in our word. The initial response of the shepherds is fear. Now, we, we can't blame the shepherds for their response like it's, oh, so terrible that they're afraid. They're sitting there watching their flocks by night, it's dark, and then wham, glory of the Lord, his angels breaking forth into the night. Like, this is a pretty dramatic moment. And it would be a cause, like Pastor Goodham talked about Sunday, for panic because of the suddenness of this appearance. But I think when we get into the shepherd's fear, as with most of our fears, there's something deeper than just confusion or surprise. They have fear because the revelation of God's glory causes terror over sin. These shepherds, they're exposed to the light of God's glory, and they couldn't hide anything. The glory of God and his holiness, it's a terrifying thing to us as sinners. Now, we, we talk about that idea a lot. It comes up in so many of our texts, but I want you to think about it in the context of the shepherds. We say that no news is good news, right? I think that's doubly true for news that you get in the dead of night. That's the worst kind of news, usually. But how much worse is it if that news isn't just being brought from a phone call? It's coming from the angels of heaven. The light of God's glory is breaking forth from the sky. God's presence revealed. Our consciences aren't going to go, oh, great, this is great. Oh, we're so happy, yay. Our consciences are going to be, oh, he's here. Oh, he knows. He knows that. He knows me. Whatever the background of the shepherds might have been, seeing that glory of God break forth and his messenger emerge, it's definitely something to be afraid of because sin cannot be hidden in the presence of God. Exposed to the perfect light of God's glory, it's no wonder they were afraid. But that fear, that terror, it wasn't the ultimate aim of God in sending his messengers no, the angel speaks and makes it clear that even though they were terrified already, the shepherds should fear not. In 
all the preparation that I did for this, looking at all the responses of the shepherds and how to slim it down, I think that this one was the most amazing thing, that the shepherds did just that. They stopped fearing. The very command of the angel, proclaiming the word of the Lord to them, it enabled them to hear a better word than the fear that was screaming from their hearts. This was an external word. It was simple, but profound. Fear not, because your Savior has come. The angel didn't look down on those trembling shepherds and appeal to their will. He doesn't call them to try harder or to to get it together, take some breaths, man. The angel of the Lord tells the shepherds to stop fearing and gives them the very proclamation by which they can stop fearing. Christ has come. The shepherds simply received that which was proclaimed. And from this flowed everything else that was to follow. Receiving is believing God at his word. The receiving of the word of Christ wasn't bound up in how smart the shepherds were, wasn't how wise they were, or how attentive or awake they were, but it was in the power of the word that was proclaimed. I wanted to spend the most time setting up that R and looking through it because when we consider examples from Scripture, usually we we take away a lot of law-based application. We're thinking of what can I do? How can I reflect what the shepherds did? And there is value in that, and we're going to get there. But this passage, it reminds us that the only true hope and the only power for both life and salvation is that beautiful message that your Savior has come. When you fear, when you doubt, when you're burdened by the weight of your sin and you feel like you don't deserve to be a Christian, you don't deserve God's love, much less the love of others or the good gifts he gives you, there's nothing that can break through to you besides the clear application that Christ the Lord is your Savior and he has come to deliver you. We still have plenty to take away from the shepherds, but right out of the gate, this text is just screaming at us to avoid the attempts to find peace or comfort apart from Christ. We say that no news is good news, but we have the good news, the gospel of Christ, who was born in the city of David to save us from our sins. Even hearing about our sins, we have to receive God's word in full. Because the accusation of the law, it prepares us for our acquittal in the gospel. Fearing God's justice is a good thing because it prepares us for his mercy and his grace that comes through Christ. The words of the angel, they weren't unclear. Sometimes we try to make it so that it seems as if God is vague and out there and we can just somehow reach him. We're tempted to use the term gospel vaguely, but the angel's proclamation, it was specific. It was pointed. Hey, the city of David, Christ was born there. Christ was born there for you. The shepherds didn't have to sit there and ponder for a couple hours. Hmm, what did he really mean? Oh, I wonder what he's getting at. Oh, which city of David? Maybe that's on the other side of the continent. No. God made it clear through his messenger that there is salvation for the shepherds, for Mary, for Joseph, for you, for the world in his son, the Christ. This wasn't a matter of private revelation. God proclaimed this good news through his angels. And then afterwards, the shepherds, they they talked to each other in verse 15. 
They understood this was a word of the Lord for them, and they sought to see the promise together. That hearing, the receiving of the word of God, put haste in the heart of the shepherds. Receiving the active word of God, it leads to more activity. So verse 16, it shows us that next R word. The shepherds ran to see the fulfillment of the word of Christ. As I said before, these other R words, they flow, excuse me, from the other R, the first R of receiving God's words. So what the shepherds do next reminds us how important each of the fruits of receiving God's word is. For the shepherds, they were pointed to the Savior and given a sure sign. What did they do? Did they finish their shift? Did they pick one of them, send a scout ahead? No, they ran. They went with haste to Bethlehem. They searched for the Savior that was proclaimed to them. Again, we're getting into some application here for us today. Don't forget that your salvation isn't based on how rightly or piously or properly you respond to the gospel. You're dead in your trespasses and sins, saved by grace through faith. The only R that you can offer up as a response to God in and of yourself is rejection. But when the Spirit works through the word that you might receive Christ, he's going to spur you on to the rest of these R's that we see. And these R's, I think the shepherds exemplify really well for us. I'm also thankful that in, when it comes to running to Christ, this isn't a matter of how fast we can run the one mile. I don't think most of us are as fit as those shepherds who worked in the field night and day are. Praise be to God for that, that it isn't based on how quickly we can run. Because running to Christ for us, it's going to look different and happen at different places, but it's all going to end up in the sure works of God. Think about it this way. The shepherds were told of the baby Christ and Bethlehem. They took off with haste. We are told of a risen Christ who defeated sin at Calvary. We find him in his word, in his sacraments. If we have received God and take his word at face value, why would we ever delay in coming to the means by which he forgives us and empowers us? If the IRS called you tomorrow morning and said, oh yeah, we got uh, $10,000 in your name, we messed up some of the tax stuff, so I just need you to come down to the office and confirm it and pick it up. How quickly would you drive to the office once you realize it's not a scam? How many speed limits would you break on the way there is the other question. But if the God of the universe who knows your needs says, hey, I have eternal life. I have forgiveness for you. I have wisdom. My good word has all the gifts that you need. Aren't we pretty hesitant in comparison? We know we can't hide our sin from the ever-present God. And we also know that our sins have been paid for in Christ and that he freely forgives us. So why wait? You sin. Run to the means by which he gives this grace to you. When you sin and your heart is broken by the law, you're convicted of this, run to the scriptures. When you sin against your brother or sister in Christ, plead for their forgiveness and for God's forgiveness. Let them declare that forgiveness to you. When your conscience is burdened, call up Pastor Goodham. Come into his office. Confess those sins and receive a sure absolution that your sins have been forgiven in the promises of God's word. Even in our services, we have a time of examination. We find nothing in us but sin and death. 
We can with joy and urgency receive the proclamation of forgiveness. Receive on those Sundays the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Where God has promised to be, that's where we must run to. But the shepherds, when they ran and they found the Christ child in verse 17, there are two more R words that come up pretty quickly. Because the shepherds relayed the revelation and then they rejoiced in the Christ child. The gospel isn't a secret message. It's not something we gather around in a small little group and chant whispers to one another. We don't have to hide or be ashamed of our hope. The shepherds, they publicly witnessed to anyone present there in Bethlehem about what was told to them. The sharing of the news of the birth of Christ the Savior, it was part of their rejoicing in this wonderful gift from God. Now we're focusing on the shepherds, but it kind of focuses on some other responses here too. The angels rejoiced in this. And Mary had an interesting response that I think is worth noting too. The shepherds had this joy and they spoke out loud about the fulfillment of the promises of God. You can almost see them praising God, going about, did you hear? Did you hear? But Mary, it's almost a different direction. So she just quietly kind of pondered these things in her heart, a very internal, very introspective thing. We're going to express wonder and joy at the goodness of God in different ways. This text isn't calling us to all be yellers in the street of the goodness of God. The shepherds were ecstatic in their joy and were proclaiming God's goodness out loud. That was used to ease the fears of Joseph and Mary. And it caused wonder for anyone there who heard them. But Mary had an internal wonder and pondered what had happened and didn't speak up right away. Now, it's tempting for us to make a contrast and be like, well, okay, well, Mary was clear you should have said something. Then. You always need to speak up for this. But think about this. It's very likely that Mary herself testified later to Luke when he was writing this gospel account. So really, if this is what Mary is relaying to Luke as he was inspired to write this gospel, isn't Mary really witnessing to this story? Isn't she relaying this revelation to us years later in the church? The shepherds proclaimed this to people of Bethlehem very likely, but Mary, by confessing this truth, by holding it in her heart, had the chance to confess it to the whole church of all time and all places. All kinds of evangelism are needed. Don't feel like you're a lesser Christian because you're not gifted in street evangelism or because you're not out on the mission field right now. Instead, consider how you have been gifted. Consider where you have been placed and relay that truth there. We usually say, don't shoot the messenger. But, but scripture gives us some interesting accounts where the other warning is to not worship the messenger, to not worship the way they go about it. No, instead of shooting the messenger or, or worshiping the messenger, the shepherds testify, and we understand that we must listen to the messenger. So from the reception of the word, we can then focus on relating the gospel to those around us. The good news that ends our fears it ends the fears of all who hear it and receive it. And that same power remains today. The message hasn't weakened over time. It's become, it doesn't become diluted as more and more people hear it. This is still good news. So as you deal with a multitude of cares and the distractions of life, keep your eyes and your ears open. Open to the hurting and broken world. Look for those people 
that need this message in word and deed. Now, other texts are more fitting to talk about meeting physical needs. I think as we reflect on God's forgiveness, we have to ask God for wisdom in sharing the forgiveness of Christ with others. Every human being needs the gospel of Christ. Men, women, children. You all know lots of men and women and children and come into contact with them daily. So as you're here, as you're receiving the gospel of Christ day after day, being comforted in the forgiveness of your sins, don't be afraid to bring this light to your neighbors. Christian or not, they both need to be reminded day in and day out that Christ has died for them, that God loves them. They need that just as much as you do. Moving on from that, we see it's the final response of the shepherds that kind of helps us clarify that charge to bring the gospel to others. Verse 20 shows us that the shepherds return to their lives, edified by God's promises. The shepherds' response to the king, it started out in fear, went to receiving his word, running to his promises, relaying that fulfillment, and rejoicing in his goodness. But it ends with them returning, returning to their lives as shepherds out in the field. That's the best we can assume. It doesn't say that they quit their jobs and did anything else. You would think that after this radical spiritual experience, oh, the shepherds' lives would be flipped upside down, right? Well, any encounter with Christ and the Word of God, it does change you, but it's not necessarily going to alter your day-to-day -day responsibilities. Those sheep still needed to be watched, still need to be led to pasture. Their families needed them, husbands, fathers that they may have been. These shepherds, though having seen the very glory of God break forth and the messengers of God proclaim this word to them, they still need to eat something at some point. They need to go to bed. Now, for some, the revelation of the gospel, it might result in drastic change, especially if you've been living in open, rebellious sin or even set aside for a specific task. I think of the apostles in that. But for 98% or more of his people, God reveals his son. He calls them a repentance and faith. He calls them to lead simple lives, loving in their vocations, sharing the gospel with those closest to them that they meet, that they interact with. This isn't glamorous, but returning to your daily life and relaying the redemption of Christ, it's a vital work, just as vital as gathering here around the Word, just as vital as the work on the mission field, spreading the gospel to places that haven't heard of you, just as vital as the street preacher down the road. If we adopt a false spirituality that downplays the physical gifts, the physical callings that we have, it's not going to help anyone. Just like the shepherds, your day-to-day -day service, it's something you can return to with joy. But be ready. Be ready to relay the gospel as opportunities arise. To speak for the reason for your hope. Rejoice together then in your homes. Here at the congregation that God's goodness and grace is never-ending. The shepherd's final response to the king, it gives us a reminder that we're called to return to the simple task of life. And we can return because the revelation of God's glory in Christ, it gives us a sure hope, and it gives us freedom to love our neighbors well. Even at his birth, our Lord called forth faith in the promises of God, and he turned the hearts of all kinds of people back to the Redeemer God. So don't fall prey to the trap 
of thinking that only certain pious people from certain pious professions can share the gospel or are somehow more valuable in God's eyes. These are shepherds we're talking about here, out in their fields, proclaiming the wonderful mercies of God in the birth of his son. Their faithful care of their sheep, then, is just as much an appropriate response to the king of glory as those apostles who left everything for Christ. We're going to head out from here after tonight, back to our homes, to our families, to our jobs, to our schools, to those vocations and callings we've been put in. That should all be a response to the mercy of our king. Even if we, like the shepherds, are not nobility, no, no one would call us to the king's palace in and of ourselves, I don't think, unless I'm misconstruing somebody's character out there. If there's a prince or a princess out there, I apologize. Forgive me. But we may not be royals in the world's eyes, but through faith in Christ, we are an heir to his kingdom, the eternal riches of life. We are a royal priesthood. The response of the shepherds in Luke 2 gives us a lot of food for thought. We could keep going on forever, but it's getting pretty late. But moving past their fear, the way in which they receive the act of, active word of God, it calls us to take God at his word. We should then go with haste to where God has promised what we need. Run to God in his word. Run to him in prayer, in his sacraments. Run to your fellow believers for edification. For God has given these as a clear sign for you. While the shepherds were able to relay and rejoice in the birth of the king, we're likewise called to relay and rejoice in the new birth that comes from faith in the death and resurrection of the king. And all this, we're doing as we return, return day after day to the simple things of our lives. Our lives are not glamorous, but the message of glory that we bear as ambassadors for the kingdom of God, that's a glamorous thing. So be not afraid, but speak boldly about Christ. Be not dismayed, but serve well where God has placed you. And be of good cheer, for your Savior was born in the city of David. He is Christ. He is your Lord. Amen.